Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And I want to look at a extremely, an extremely familiar portion of Scripture that I have preached from many times, and you have heard preached from many times. And, um, but I'm glad, man, I, I, I just, I love it when God takes a familiar passage, just a familiar portion of Scripture, and it just hangs it on your heart in a fresh way. I love that. I love that with all my heart. I'm glad. You know what? This book is alive. You know that? I mean, this book is alive, y'all. And, uh, man, I tell you what, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to get very far to realize that reading your Bible a lot of times, and uh, he just get. I'm not. I don't want anything new. I'm not looking for anything new. A lot of people they're real enamored with new. Show me preacher. Show me something new. Show me something. Tell me something I've never heard before. Blow my mind. That's not what really. I I don't really want to do that, and I don't really want that done to me when I hear somebody preach the book. Tell me something I've probably already heard. I've been in church nine months before I was ever born. You understand? I. I've heard everything in the Bible, out of the Bible, around the Bible. Uh, I, I feel like I don't, I'm sure I haven't heard everything. I don't know it all, but you know what I'm saying? I ain't looking for something new, but, man, I do want something fresh. I do want something fresh. Make it fresh. Make it real. Make the book live to me, God. And that's what I pray when I read and when I preach and when I listen to preaching and teaching. I want to make, make the book alive to me. God, and just a familiar passage here at the end of the chapter, Mary and Martha, you know the story, but just give, let me give you just something fresh the Lord uh, put on my heart. Hey Amen, I love that song that Miss Julie was just singing. I'm so thankful that, uh, I'm thankful that God knows how to prove us wrong sometimes. You know, our theology can get all messed up sometimes, you know that. And what I mean by that is what we believe about God. We believe, well, you know, he's, he doesn't love me. He's far away from me. He won't forgive this again. You know, he 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 doesn't care about me. And we start we start we start saying wrong things about God, believing wrong things about God. And if it's wrong for the preacher to get up in the pulpit and preach wrong things about God, it's wrong for you to preach it to yourself. Amen. You listen to your preaching a lot more than you listen to my preaching. Amen. Amen. And you better not be preaching to yourself wrong. Don't be, don't be some Joel Osteen preacher now. Don't be some Joyce Myers preaching in your head now. Make sure you're preaching it straight. Amen. Say right things. God doesn't like it when you say wrong things about him. In fact, he almost killed a couple guys in the book of Job over it. Job had three friends. I don't, I'm trying to remember their names. I can't remember their names. Was Eliphaz one of them? Eliphaz. Huh? Yeah, three friends. They about all died because they. God said, Job, you better pray for them boys. I'm about to kill them. They've been preaching to you wrong things about me. They've said things that are wrong about me. God about killed them over it. But Job prayed for his friends. That's when his captivity turned too, when he prayed for his friends. God doesn't like it when you say wrong things about them. Make sure you make sure you know it right. But I'm glad when he proves us wrong. Amen. And he's loving, forgiving, and he helps us. Thank God for all these things. All right, well, very familiar. Verse 38, let's start there. Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, 
And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I'm going to stop reading right there, and I'm not going to give you a title, okay? Uh, not that I don't have one, but I'm going to give it to you at the end. And not that it's some kind of surprising, wonderful title. It's just, I'm just going to wait till the end to give it to you. And we'll put a bow on this thing at the end. But let me just say a few things about this text. And then I'll give you the main thought, really, that we'll kind of give you some points. We'll work our way through. And then on that last one, it's really something fresh the Lord put on my heart. And I may just talk to you for a second, if that's all right. I may just talk to you for a few minutes and, and, then, uh, and then be done. I... I just uh, just kind of a devotional thought on my on my heart tonight. But let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, thank you, Lord, for touching our hearts in the singing, and uh, Lord, well, touching my heart in the singing. Thank you so much. I I hope it touched others' hearts as well. And Lord, these great truths, God, we ought not take them for granted. That we great truths that we got to listen to and worship to in song. Lord, thank you for this familiar text. Lord, I'm glad there are texts in the Bible that are familiar to me. Lord, there's people in the world that have never even seen a Bible in their language. And Lord, we have these familiar texts, these, these uh, deep wells that have been drawn from so many times, and they never run dry. They keep giving and giving and giving and helping and helping and refreshing and refreshing. And Lord, may tonight be one more time that you refresh us from this wonderful well of this text. And God, I pray that you'd help me and touch me, touch my mind tonight. And Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, our text tonight introduces us to a family that will become very close to the Lord Jesus, a very special family. In fact, uh, it was uh, at the tomb of Lazarus, who is a part of this household here, that Jesus wept and the Jews looked at him and said, Behold, how he loved him. And they were those who Jesus loved, right? They were friends of Jesus. John 11 tells us some of these things. But it's amazing. It's a very unique household. It's not traditional what you would think of a mom and a dad and children. Uh, seems like there's no living parents here, no spouses, uh, just siblings uh, living, living together. Man, what a horrible thing that would be, uh, just thinking out loud. But anyway... It also seems from the text, it seems like uh, uh, it seems like Martha is the oldest, right? That's what it seems like. She, she's kind of in charge. Lazarus, he don't really do much. I mean, we don't see him doing much. He's just dying and, and getting up, you know, from the grave and sitting at the table in John 12. And he, he, he don't, he's just there for the ride. He's just happy to be alive, I guess. But Martha, she seems to be the one that's, uh, that's in charge which also makes me glad I don't live in this house right here. And uh, in verse 38, it calls it her house, right? It's what it says. Martha received him into her house. And uh, so she seems to be the one that's in charge here. And there was a day, this is how they all get introduced here. There's a day while Jesus and his disciples were on their journey, they passed through. The Bible says here in Luke, it's a certain village, but we know from other scriptures that this is Bethany. That's where Mary and Martha and Lazarus live. 
And we don't know the circumstances, but it seems as though that Martha may have invited Jesus into her house. I don't know how this all worked. It doesn't tell us. It just says that Martha received Him into her house. Now also, verse 38 says, as they went. I don't know exactly who all the they are, but I know in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 1 that the Bible talks about 70 disciples that are with Jesus. He sends them out and then the 70 return in verse number 17 and it seems like he's talking to them in verse 23. It seems like they're all together here. Now I'm not saying 70 people fit inside of Martha's house, but it does seem like there are more people than just Jesus. It says that she received Him into her house, and I understand that. But in verse 39, it says that she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. There's a little word in there that lets me know that seems like there might be disciples sitting at the feet of Jesus while they're in this house. It says that she sat Mary, which also sat at the feet of Jesus. Other people are sitting there. Maybe Jesus and his disciples. I don't know if it's all 70 of them. That would be hard to imagine. I don't think their house would quite be big enough for that, but I have no idea. Or some of his disciples, maybe it's just the 12. I don't know who it is, but they're in this house and Jesus is teaching his word. Jesus is, is, is teaching. That's what it says in verse... Uh, uh, in verse number uh, uh, 39, sat at his feet and heard his word. Jesus is teaching. That's what he does. He's the, he's the teacher and he, he's preaching and he's teaching and they're hearing his word. I don't know uh, who all's there, but it seems like Martha is, whoever's in her house, it seems like Martha is overwhelmed with the work that has been laid uh, at, her, uh, uh, at, at her feet, laid at and her charge, her responsibility. It says that she was cumbered about, the Bible says in verse 40, with much serving, much serving. So there's a lot to do. It's more than just a few people. There's a lot to prepare. There's a lot to do. So I'm not sure how many people are in here, but it seems like there's a, a lot of work that needs to be done. And Jesus comes into this house, and Mary finds herself at the feet of Jesus Listen to His Word. And again, you know this about Mary. I'm not giving you any new information, but it seems like Mary always found herself at the feet of Jesus, right? Here we see her with wonder, listening, at, listening, to, his, uh, listening to His Word. When Lazarus died and Jesus finally makes His way to Bethany four days late, in their opinion, Mary finds herself at Jesus' feet once again, not with wonder but with her worry this time and then as she takes that precious ointment and anoints the feet of Jesus and washes his feet with her hair she's at the feet of Jesus again with worship and so she comes there with wonder and she comes with her worry and she comes with her worship and I tell you what being at the feet of Jesus that is the right place to be that is when you are at the feet of Jesus that's a place of submission right that's saying, you are higher than me. I am worshiping you. That's a place of supplication. That's where you pray and get your requests answered. In fact, you don't find many people in the Bible, and I can't think of one right now. You might could dig one up for me, but 
I can't think of many people that were at the feet of Jesus that didn't get their prayers answered. What they came for and what they needed, if it was a, a health issue or if it was a, 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 any kind of issue, a miracle they needed, when they found their way to the feet of Jesus, they got exactly what they needed. In fact, that's the way it works. If you want to go up, you got to go down. you got to humble yourself. and you get, You'll get more seeking His uh, face than you will ever get seeking His face hand. I promise you that. Seek Him. Get at His feet. Worship Him. Bring Him your worry. Sit and listen to His Word. A place of submission, a place of supplication is a place of saturation where you saturate Him with your worship. Being at the feet of Jesus is a being in a place where you are consumed and enamored with Him and Him alone. That made Martha mad, didn't it? Mary was so caught up in Jesus at his feet that she couldn't get up and help her. Martha shows us a real different picture. She wasn't at Jesus' feet. She was busy serving. She sat alone. And she viewed it as an injustice. Some of you know what it's like to be on the job and you're working real hard and trying to get things done only to look over and somebody's sitting around on their phone. Or they're sitting around counting ceiling tiles or they're goofing off or doing something like that. How many of you, that just burns you up? Well, now you know how Martha feels. That's what it looks like to her. She's wasting her time. She's just sitting there when she should be up helping me and doing something. Look at all this work that she has left me to do. That's where Martha is at. She viewed it as injustice. And Martha, she didn't mind telling Jesus how she felt about it. But I want you to notice how Jesus responds to her. And I'm going to give you a little outline here in Jesus' response. I love this, verse 41. He said that uh, Jesus answered and said unto her, said, Martha, Martha. I like that where he said her name twice. That's not... Uh, that, 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 that's... You know, when somebody, somebody says your name one time real stern, that means you're in trouble. I don't know what the tone is here, but I can just imagine the tone is not Martha. I think it's more like Martha. Martha. Like, come on. Like, you're not seeing things right. Your perspective is wrong. Can I tell you, when you haven't spent a lot of time at the feet of Jesus, your perspective gets really messed up really quick. I'll say more about that in a second. But I love what Jesus said to Martha. And, and there's some eternal truths about I'm talking about this sitting at the feet of Jesus, this fellowship with Him, this relationship with Him sitting at His feet, listening to His Word, this place of submission, this place of supplication, this place of saturating Him with our, with our worship. I want to say a couple of things. What did Jesus tell Martha to clarify? Why wasn't Martha getting the picture? What did Martha need to learn that she wasn't getting? Well, I, here's what Jesus needed to tell her about sitting at His feet and worshiping Him and listening to Him. The first thing He said, number one, mark this down, the first thing Jesus said is this, it's an essential thing. It's an essential thing. That word essential has been very prominent in our 
vocabulary the last couple of years, hasn't it? Things that are essential and things that are non-essential. Some businesses and things, you know, the government deem, well, those are non-essential things and these are essential things. That word essential just means something that's necessary. Look, what, look at verse 42. Look at your Bible. Look what Jesus said. He said, but one thing is what? Say that next word. Needful means you got to have it. It's essential. you got to have it. Martha, he said in verse 41, you're careful, you're full of care, that's stress, anxiety. You're troubled on the inside. It means stirred up. You're all stirred up on the inside. You're full of stress. You're full of care. You're all stirred up about many things, is what Jesus said. All them things, many things. But can't help but see the contrast there, can you? Where he said many things, but then Jesus brings it all down in verse number 42 to what? One thing. He said, you're, you're careful and troubled about many things. He said, but one thing is needful. Can I tell you, life's full of many things. There's always going to be many things. Life is slapful. There's always going to be a zillion things pulling at you. How many know what it's like to have, when it feels like life's coming at you, listen to this, from every direction. You know what I'm talking about? Not just one thing, not just two things, but many things. And it just feels like you're cumbered about and you're loaded down and you're troubled and you're full of care, full of anxiety, stress from many things. If you you have... uh, uh, if you have, um, what, for whatever role you play in life, um, and you, whatever hat you wear, um, you're going to have a pipeline of problems that come, come through that, from that direction. For, for instance, you're, you're many things. I, I, I'm many things to many people. I'm a, I'm a son. I'm a husband. I'm a, a father. I'm a friend. I'm a pastor, uh, I'm a homeowner, uh, I'm a, uh, what else am I? I'm a Chick-fil-A customer a lot. I, I wear many hats. I wear many hats. I'm a, I'm a member of a gym, <laughs> so there's that. You know, did you know that being a member of a gym doesn't make you skinny? Did you know that? No more being a member of a church makes you spiritual, ain't that right? Gym membership... Wouldn't it be great to join a gym and you immediately start losing weight? That would be great. But anyway, all right. So I wear different hats. Right now, I'm neglecting some responsibilities in several of those areas. Not the Chick-fil-A restaurant. I'm a very good Chick-fil-A customer. But every, every, everything that gets a hold on you, every lasso that comes at you from one direction and pulls on you, there's problems, there's anxieties, there's all those things that come. And if you don't watch it, you'll get so troubled, you'll get so tore down with all the many things that you just feel like giving up all the things. You start feeling like you've got to untie from certain things. And sometimes you need to untie. But I tell you, most of the time, let me tell you what the problem is. The problem is that it's not that we've got too many things going on. It's that we've neglected the needful thing, the one thing. You see, the one thing, takes care of the many things. Here's what I've noticed. I don't know how it is in your life, but I've noticed this, that when that one thing is out of place in my life, everything's out of place. 
When that one thing, if I'm not spending time at the feet of Jesus, if I'm not with Him, if I'm not talking to Him, if I'm not worshiping Him, I'm not talking about at church, I'm talking about privately. I'm talking about me and Jesus. I'm talking about me at the feet of Jesus. I have to have that time. i got to spend that time with Him. And if I don't, you know what I find out? Everything starts falling apart in every direction. I'm not the husband I need to be. I'm not the daddy I need to be. I'm not the anything. I'm not the pastor I need to be. And it feels like I'm getting pulled in a zillion different directions and I can't make anybody happy. You ever been there? But you know what I found out? I found out when that one thing is in place, that essential, that needful thing, the thing you have to have, you can't live without, when that one thing is in place, everything else falls right into place. You know what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33? He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what he said after that? And all these things will be what? added unto you. He'll take care of all the many things if you just seek after one thing. Instead of seeking after a zillion things and not being able to do any of them well, instead of being a jack of all trades and a master of none, why don't you master sitting at the feet of Jesus and you'll find out that those many things, they take care of themselves. When that one thing. You see, we're, we're leaving out the needful thing, the essential thing. And we're paying the price because of it. We're like Martha. We're troubled. And we're careful. Amen. Is anybody bearing witness with this? I'm talking about it's needful. It means necessity. It means it's your duty. It's your business. How much... What kind of priority do you place on your personal time with the Lord? Sitting at His feet. What kind of priority? Well, preacher, I would, but I have this going on. I have this going on, this going on. You're missing it all together. You're missing it. I don't have time because I got all this. Listen, you ain't going to have all that. You're not going to enjoy all that unless you spend time at his feet. Those things that should be a blessing to you, they'll become a burden to you in your life unless you get at the feet of Jesus and let Him help you. There, listen, you were made for fellowship with God. And when you are not in fellowship with your Father, listen, you are, you, you're out of line everywhere. Everything's out of whack. Everything's crazy. It's like saying that, you know, well, I, I'm just too busy to breathe. I got so many things to do today. I can't breathe. Listen, if you don't breathe, you ain't going to do any of those things. Spending time at His feet. It's not just something, so, oh man, okay, I gotta add this to my calendar. I gotta add this to my list of things to do. No, no, that it's not something else to add to your to-do list. It's not something else to add to your schedule. It is what you have to do, or you will not survive. You're not gonna make it. You don't understand. It's not something else. It is why you live. <laughs> Spend time with him. And it's the only thing that'll keep you living, keep you going. Listen. Men fall in private long before they fall in public. Amen. I'm going to tell you something about church attendance and all and the public things and what's in the public eye. That's the last thing to go. Everybody listening? That's the last thing to go. What everybody sees is the last thing to detach. Every failure in your life has been a prayer failure. 
It's been a fellowship with God failure. That's where it starts. You don't just, that man just don't follow it. He didn't just fall into adultery. He didn't just fall. You don't fall into fornication. You don't fall into cheating and lying and stealing and gambling. You don't just fall out of church. You don't just fall. That's not how this thing works. The first thing you do is you fall out of love with Jesus. And then you learn to fake it for a little while. And then you never can fake it long. It always comes out. Amen. Everybody okay? I'm just telling you how it works. Demas fell in love with this world long before he left Paul. It's just one day it come out. There was a period of time, I don't know how long, but there was a period of time Demas faked it. You can only do it so long, especially this thing of ministry. You can't serve the Lord while not in love with the Lord and not spending time at His feet. It's a sin. I'm telling you, friend, it is a sin. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this right here. You've got to do it. If you're going to survive, you've got to open your Bible, get on your knees, get along with God, spend time with Him, or you are going to go crazy. Amen. This world is too much pressure. We're pressured all. There's financial pressure and family pressure and, and just the stress of life and the stress of everything. There's too much going on for us to neglect sitting at the feet of Jesus. Amen. It's an essential thing. You got, it's needful. you got to have it. Let me show you something else. Not only is it an essential thing, but secondly, notice that Jesus said it's an excellent thing. It's an excellent thing. Look what he said here. He said, and Mary hath chosen that. What's those next two words? Good part. He chose that good part. It's the good part. It's the more excellent thing. In fact, this has really got to chat Martha, don't you think? Because Martha's looking at, it, at this situation and she says, Mary is not doing what she's supposed to do. And Jesus looks at Martha and said, no, actually, she chose the good thing. She's doing the good thing. This is the excellent thing. This is the more noble choice. Mary knew there was serving to be done, I'm sure. Mary knew what the, what the custom was, what the manner was when you uh, are entertaining people in your home. And yet Mary looked at the situation and she said, this is better. Jesus is better than anything else I could be doing right now. This is the good part. <laughs> it's the good part. It wasn't that, Mary was, or it wasn't that Martha was doing something bad. It's that she was missing out on what was best. She picked the bad part. <laughs> and Mary picked the good part. Can I tell you something? You know what the good part about being saved is? I know there's a lot of people preach a lot of crazy things about it. If you'll get saved, your life will be this and your life will be that and you'll have health and wealth and prosperity. And we all know that's false, right? Well, none of us believe that around here, I don't think. But can I tell you what the best part, well, the best part of being saved, let me tell you what it is. It's Jesus. That's what it is. He's the best part. You may get cancer. You may get forsaken. You may get made fun of. You might get crucified. But I tell you what else you get when you get saved? You get Jesus. And that makes it worth it all. And when you forsake your time with Him, you're missing out on the best part of being saved. Amen. So people look at being a Christian and they think, man, all the things you can't do and can't do that, can't go there. Man, but when you know what I think about it, I think, I get Him. Amen. 
The best part is having His fellowship, having, like we've been studying the book of Romans on Wednesday night, having that peace with God and access into His grace and hope of His glory and it's all on the inside. Man, guess what you get? You get Him. Man, I enjoy what I get to do for Him. I feel like it's a great privilege. But man, what He does for me so much greater than what I could ever do for him. <laughs> and you miss out on that when you're not at the feet of Jesus. There's another little sermon in here. In fact, I almost, I almost preached that, preached this little thing the Lord showed me. And maybe I will one day. You'll forget it in like two days. So, so will I. There's another little sermon in here in verse number 40. I don't have it alliterated or anything. That's probably why I didn't preach it. I like everything to be alliterated, you know. There's a good little sermon in here. Verse 40. Martha, when she opens her mouth, she opens her heart. And you can tell what's on her heart by what comes out of her mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, right? And Martha is a classic study, a case study in what somebody is like when they have not been at the feet of Jesus. If you want to know, if, you, if, if you're looking for some symptoms in your heart when you had not been spending time with the Lord like you ought to, here's what they are. And you can just li- listen to what Martha says and see if you can pick up on it. Martha was cumbered about much serving. Cumbered. You know what that word cumbered means? It means loaded down. It means something that has become a burden to you. Something that is hindering you and holding you back, weighing you down, slowing you down. She was cumbered about much serving. Can I tell you, how do you know when you've not been spending time at the feet of Jesus? It's when service becomes a burden. When serving God becomes a burden to you, that is, it's a, it's a telltale sign. Listen to me. It's a red flag. You've not been spending time at His feet. You've not been with Jesus. When serving the Lord becomes a burden, you've not been spending time at His feet. Look, and just keep on reading. She was coming about with much servant and came to Him and said, Lord... Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Now, hold on just a second. Martha comes up to Jesus, and the very first thing she says, she accuses Jesus of not caring. There's red flag number two. When you feel like Jesus doesn't care about your situation, you haven't been spending enough time at the feet of Jesus. When you could go up to the Lord of the universe, the Prince of glory that left everything to come down to this earth to die for your sins and and go to Calvary for you, and you could say, you don't care about me. You haven't been spending time at the feet of Jesus. That's a telltale sign you haven't been spending time at Jesus' feet. Is when you can accuse the Lord of not caring. When you feel like you're... Service is unappreciated and nobody cares about what you're doing. You haven't been spending time at the feet of Jesus. If those thoughts ever come through your mind, nobody cares. I'm so unappreciated. I'm so 
I'm so unloved. You had me because I tell you what you get in the presence of Him, you get that reminder that He loves you, He knows you, He knows what you've been been doing for Him. Amen. But when you haven't been spending time at the feet of Jesus, when you haven't been spending time with Him, you start feeling unappreciated. Because then, instead of instead of depending upon that security that comes from the presence of Jesus, you start you start depending on things that come from man, because. Whatever you don't get from the Lord, you got to fill it in. you got to substitute it with what comes from people. And I'm going to tell you something about people. They'll forget you. <laughs> Let me tell you something about people. They don't always appreciate you like you ought to be appreciated. Let me tell you something about people. They're just as selfish as you are. <laughs> just like you forgot people. They'll forget you. But listen, somebody that's been in the presence of the Lord, it don't matter if people forget them or not. They know one thing. He knows my name. Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I got. He knows what I'm carrying. He knows what I'm going through. And you get that security, that, that, that covering, that enclosure of the Lord. Amen. Is this making sense to anybody? How do you know when you haven't been spending enough time at the feet of Jesus? Well, you're loaded down. Service becomes a burden. You feel like your service is unappreciated. No one cares. Jesus doesn't care. Here's another thing she said. She said, my sister hath left me to serve. Here's what she said, alone. Here's another thing. You'll feel all alone. You feel all alone. You feel like I'm the only, I'm the only one doing something right around here. I'm the only one trying to, I'm the only one doing this, and I'm all by myself, and I don't have anybody with me. You'll start feeling all alone. Even Elijah felt like that one time, didn't he? I'm the only one serving you, Lord. I'm the only one. God said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Willis? Amen. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I got 7,000. They never even bowed the knee to bell. You ain't the only one. Shut up. <laughs> oh, man. You need a nap and a big meal. That's what he needed. Amen. That's what he got, too, wasn't it? You need to take a nap and eat a, eat a, eat a, eat a nice meal. Amen. You start feeling all alone. You're the only one doing anything right. Nobody's with me. I ain't got nobody to serve with. I'm all by myself. You haven't been spending time in his presence. And then, oh, man, it gets, it gets a little dicey here at the end of verse number 40. Here's what Martha said. Oh, Martha, and I don't know if she's got her hands on her hips or not, but just leave me alone. I think she does. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. Tell Martha told Jesus what to tell other people to do. <laughs> oh, wait, I've done that before. I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be crying. Jesus, tell them to, tell them to straighten up. Man, I wish you'd smack them upside the head. Man, that's out of place, ain't it? Telling Jesus what to do. It's supposed to be Jesus telling us what to do. Y'all do understand what's wrong with this picture, right? It's not us telling him what to do. He's, be, he's the one that's supposed to be telling us what to do. When you feel like God is doing wrong, you feel like he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Listen, you have not been spending enough time at his feet. And you're miserable, aren't you? You know why? Let me tell you why you're miserable. You're missing out on the good part. The good part. Get at the feet of Jesus. Oh, listen, the dishes can be done later. The serving can be done. Get at his feet. Because that's the good part. That's the good part. 
don't miss out on the excellent thing. And I'm winding this down, but it's a it's an essential thing. It's a excellent thing. It's an excellent thing. Number three, and I'm gonna hit this real close because I want to get number four. It's an enclosed thing. This three and four kind of go together, so let me hit this real quick. It's an enclosed thing. Look what Jesus said at the end of verse 42. He said, Mary chosen a good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Here's what Jesus told Martha. He said, it's him then. You ain't going to take it away from her. I will not let you. It was something that was enclosed and protected by God. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things I have that can be taken away from me. A lot, about everything I have can be taken away from me. You understand that? Every, there, nothing, uh, every position I have, every title I have, every friend I have, every possession I have, everything I have, it can be taken away from me. They could come get my vehicle. They could come take my house. They could take all my money. It wouldn't take them very long, but they could take all my money. They could take everything. They could take everything that I have. But there's one thing that is an eternal thing, and it's an enclosed thing. It's protected by God that nobody can ever take away, and that is my relationship with the Lord. You can lock Christians up in concentration camps. You can put them in dungeons. You can put them, and guess what? You can put old Paul in silence. You can put them in a jail, and guess what? They're still in there praising the Lord. It's protected by God. It will not be taken away. And one day, my health will be taken away if I live long enough. One day, my abilities, I won't be able to sing. I won't be able to play the piano. I won't be able to preach. I won't be able to go. There may come a time where I can't even come to church because my health won't allow me. But there's one thing that will never be taken away. It's enclosed by God. It's protected by God. Amen. Always be able to pray, won't we? So I love talking to Brother Cross and some of these other shut-ins on the phone. They can't come. They can't be here. Brother Cross is here Wednesday night. Wasn't that a blessing? But they can't come. They can't be here. But he'll always say, Preacher, I'm praying for you. I'm praying. I go visit them. We pray together. You know what? You better, you better learn to have that because if, if, if all your joy and everything, every, all this stuff, if, it, if, it's, if it's tied up in everything that you do and everything that you are, when all, is that, when all that is gone, you ain't going to have nothing left. Amen. You better know God on a personal level. That way when you can't sing for Him, you can't give, you ain't got no money to give, you ain't got a song to sing, you ain't got a message to preach, you ain't got a lesson to teach, you ain't got a pew to sit in, you ain't got health to come, but your relationship with God can still be strong because you've known Him all these years, been fellowshipping. He said, it's not going to be taken away from her. Now, I want you to think about that. Think about that phrase, and let me give you this last thing, and I'm done. It's an essential thing, it's an excellent thing, it's an enclosed thing. Number four, it's an elected thing. Here's where the message is and I'm done. So like, there's a little word in here that we skipped over on purpose. It says, but one thing is needful and Mary, here it is, hath, now underline this word, chosen. Chosen. Mary made the conscious decision to sit at his feet. She looked at Martha and the opportunity is there and even some responsibilities that she probably had as being a member of the household. And she looked at the opportunity she had to sit at Jesus' feet, and she made a choice.
I'm going to tell you, that's it right there. You're going to have to choose to. It's your choice. And here's, here's what Jesus spoke my here's what the Lord spoke in my heart about and what Jesus is saying here. Notice that Jesus said this. Said, it shall not be taken away from her. You can't take it away. She chose it, and you can't take it. But here's what the Lord spoke in my heart about, and I'm done. It can't be taken away but it can be given away. You can give away precious time. Nobody can take it from you. But I can think of many times, nobody took it, but I gave it away to other things. I gave it away. Nobody took A lot of times we, we, we accuse circumstances. Well, the reason I'm out of fellowship is because of so-and-so or that thing that happened or this problem or this trouble or this, all this. And we accuse everything of taking my time, taking my... Listen, nothing can take it away. If you do not have fellowship, if you're not in fellowship with the Lord right now, if you haven't been spending time at His feet... And by the way, you can be at His feet when you're on the job. I'm not talking about getting in a prayer closet somewhere, and that's a good thing. You ought to do that. I'm just talking about that pray without ceasing, that constant communion with God. I'm for set times and set places and all that, and you better, you better do that. That's, that's the best way to do it. But I'm here to tell you, I'm talking about that constant communion with the Lord, being at His feet. Be at His feet when you're at the job. Be at His feet when you're at school. Be at His feet when you're at home. Be at His feet all the time. Don't let anything come in your life that takes you out of the presence of God. Sin. Nothing can take that away but you can give it away. You can give it away. So here's my title. You ready? Here it is. My title is this. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. What have you been giving your time with Jesus to? What have you been given your relationship, your fellowship? What have you been giving it to? Mary, there was nothing that would hinder Mary from getting up and walking into the kitchen, grabbing some dishes. But if she'd have got up, she'd have gave it up. And I'm here to tell you, don't get up. Don't give it up. We talk about jobs and bills and health and all kind of problems and families and stress and anxieties. Listen, they didn't take it from you. You gave it up. We need to guard it with all that we have. What have you given your worship time to other than the Lord? My admonition to you, and here's how the Lord spoke my heart about it. Chris, don't give it away. It can't be taken. Nobody can take it. Don't give it to somebody. Don't give it to something. Guard it with everything that you have. You know why? Because it's essential. It's excellent. God will help you protect it. It's enclosed. But you got to choose it. You have a choice. You got a free will. How I many of y'all know that? Choose whatever you want. If you want to work, you can worship whatever you want to worship. You can go outside and worship a stick, you can. If you can worship the sun, you can. If you can worship money, you can do that. Amen.
If you want to worship some hobby, some sport, if you want to worship some girl, if you want to worship some pleasure, you can, you can worship whatever you want. It's a choice. But that ain't the good part, is it? The good part is Jesus. Don't give it away. Let's stand together, Miss Mary. You can come on.